today on Compassion Radio. Discipling them, encouraging them, giving them opportunities to serve and say, hey, if you can serve here in Poland, you can serve anywhere. Hey, I can yes. do this back in Rwanda or I can do this on Ivory Coast. And, and so that's how we've seen the organization grow as people go back to their home countries. We're able to help lay the framework, the legal status, everything else for them to, to launch a very effective ministry in their own country. Welcome back Radio friends. We're back with a friend of our ministry that we've met along the way. He sat with us across the dinner table and told us some incredible stories about international ministry work in Poland. Never thought at the time that Poland would become the epicenter of something that was so huge. And yet it has happened that way. Why? Because the Nungesers, Richard being the one with us today, had a story to tell about being available to God to serve the least of these that he found right around him that God dumped in his lap. So Richard, welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you so much, Bram. I'm really happy to be with you. And I remember that day in California when we sat at the table together. Uh, we had the microphones out and Rainier was with us and we were able to sit together and have a wonderful time. And that was a story within a story because the one that was doing the story with you was telling his own personal testimony at the same time as describing how the work of Red of Life had affected the country of Poland. Yes, yes. I remember that. That was good. And the last time we spoke to, we also had uh, Tomek Jezik, another yes, director sir. of Red of Life that was with us. We weren't personally together, Tomek and I was, but it was nice to be able to connect over the internet together too. It seems like all the people you end up putting in front of you have become your leaders because of how much transformation has happened in their own personal lives. Is that the core of your ministry there is transforming people into leaders and movers and shakers? Yes, it is. You know, we talk about discipleship and, you know, something that God's commanded us and told us that we should do is to teach other people what God has taught us. So we're able to to pass on and, and learn from God and strengthen each other. One of our pillars in our organization is really move ordinary to extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So that could be people, projects, whatever it is, but we really believe in empowering people to do just that. And you know the story of Bread of Life has started with, you know, three cups of tea. Yeah. And I believe if we can move somebody to be able to give a cup of water or a cup of tea in Jesus' name, they've already become extraordinary in action. Literally exchanging sustenance, a nutrient, to something that someone needs physically a touch that they need emotionally, and then a truth they needed spiritually that transforms the situation in which you're sitting. Suddenly a conversation has begun. Yes. And, you know, it's amazing. There's a Bible passage that inspired me when Jesus said, whenever you give a cup of water in my name, he finishes that short little passage with, you shall not lose your reward. Yeah. You know, and I think giving a cup of water or a tea in in Jesus's name is, is not something that we're looking at, you know, trying to gain rewards or anything like that. But I think it's something so simple, but yet so powerful that God will acknowledge and see in the life of that individual. You know, if you be faithful in a few things, then maybe God can put you in charge of, of much. And so we see some of these leaders doing just I'm that. I'm with you on that whole scenario of Jesus giving that instruction, because there's something about the language and the tone that Jesus uses there. Even in English, it comes across. Whenever you, there's an implied action and that you're already obeying. I'm presuming that you're following my teachings. And in doing that, this is what's going to happen next. It's like Jesus yeah. is reaching forward almost prophetically saying, I can see you doing this. And when you do, this is what's going to happen. That's the kind of the ethic we've been trying to promote on Compassion Radio for, I don't know, four or five decades now. 
encouraging people to be obedient as the Holy Spirit leads them in the time and the place where God finds them and where they find themselves. Suddenly, it's someplace brand new to them because their perspective has changed. It could be their own neighborhood. It could be their their own home church they've been in all their lives, or it could be in the middle of Pakistan, like we'll talk about later today. But something happens to us. We suddenly open up and say, hey, stuff's going to happen here because God showed up, and so did I. Yes, and that's what I love about Compassion Radio, too, because your radio is it's worldwide, and it's for people who are worldwide. It doesn't matter necessarily the location. Maybe you're traveling on a trip, or God has put you in a place, whether by choice, or maybe you just felt like, okay, I'm not supposed to be here, but yet God can still use you right where you're at. So we're going to start with a quick recap on what Bread of Life is and why it started where it is in Poland, in Poland, and then we'll move on to some of the more recent areas where those outreaches have had a worldwide effect. So give me again the nutshell of how Bread of Life came to be. The core of it, I think I've told you how we got the name Bread of Life in Kenya. How much do you have? Go ahead and give it. All right, I'll give it to you. So when I was 19, um, right out of high school, I had the opportunity to go to Kenya to work with a retired colonel from the U.S. Army. And uh, he had gone over there on a safari. You know, he's retired to see some wonderful animals, God's creation, and ended up coming across a lot of street children. Mm. And so God broke his heart. He came back to the U.S., sold his business that he had. He and his wife, Wayne and Mary Daniels, they went to Kenya and started orphanages and started foster programs and, and schools. So I ended up getting an invitation through Boy Scouts to go to Kenya. With Boy Scouts. Interesting. Yeah, because our leader was in Kenya and they were both retired from the military and they were wearing a Boy Scout pin. They started talking. He's like, hey, when you get back to the U.S., why don't you see me in Eagle Scout and uh, I'll give him 500 bucks towards his plane ticket and I'll cover his room and board. And he can come visit me for this. Now, summer. that's quite an invitation there. I mean, I, I remember getting taught fishing and tying some knots, maybe invited to a jamboree thing in my county. I, I never yeah. got the invitation as a Boy Scout to go to Kenya. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily through scouting. It was just that connection. Yep. And uh, I went home and told my parents that night. I said, hey, I got an invitation to go to Kenya. And they were, you know, excited and thrilled. But at the same time, you know, you graduate high school and then to go to the other side of the world. And so I ended up going and it was just that adventure. You know, in my mind, a heart, I wasn't necessarily going on a mission trip. I was going more for the adventure. And he had an old Land Rover mm. and he tossed me the keys. You know, my second day there, he said, follow me. So we drove through Nairobi and about four hours up to Meru. Mm. And uh, we'd go out to the bush and deliver supplies and aid to those that are in need. And we'd be crossing creeks where you have one log for your left tires, one log for your right tires. <laughs> yeah. and the guides telling you, keep tires that way, this way, a little to the left, little to the right. You know, you'd cross that successfully. And it was just an experience driving down the road. And it's like, oh, what was that? Oh, that was an elephant, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. not a deer or something. It's, you know, some really big wild game out there. And then one particular day, he gave me a sack of bread that he had received from the local bakery as a donation. He says, hey, take it down to the street kids. And this was in Mayru, about four hours from Nairobi. Then I went down to the street kids with this sack of bread. And he told me, he's like, hey, when you go, take your Bible with you. I said, okay. I wasn't sure how I could use the Bible necessarily with, with the kids, maybe read it to them. So I passed out about 20 loaves of bread in, in the sack, and that was all that was there. And then I ran out of bread. Unfortunately, more kids kept coming, and I didn't have food for everybody. And these street kids at the time, it's just really heart-wrenching, because some of these kids were dropped off in the marketplace, maybe at age of two, three, four, five. And the parents believed that it was better for them to survive on the streets in the city than to live in mm. the bush. Uh, some you know parents just died, and they were just orphaned. And so they grew up on the streets. 
no love, no care, no medical. It was health. their daycare. Yep, and a lot of them were addicted to glue, sniffing glue, mm-hmm. other things. I had the pain of life, hunger pain. Many of them were were raped, molested, just tragic lives of these kids. But I passed out my bread. Kids were smiling and being kids, and more kids came. And one kid, about eight, nine years of age, came up to me with his loaf of bread, and he gave it back to me. He said, Mr., take this bread and give it to another child. Can you just give me the bread of life? Can you just read me the Bible? Mm-hmm. And I sat there for a moment, and I was like, this kid is changing everything in his world to hear God's word. And like that night, I just I just lost it and just cried, and God just shattered my heart to a, a million pieces. And I was like, would I be willing to give up something of this world just to hear God's word? Something that your entire body is craving. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nourishment. And it's, he could have kept the bread, but that nine-year-old child taught me that God's word is more important than anything in this and world. And it's the power of a story that brings life. Yeah. And little did I know, I remember that night saying, okay, God, sure, a lot of us, we do that. It's like, okay, I'll live for you the rest of my life, you know, <laughs> all the time I have, and I'll do whatever you want. And it, you know, finishing my degree from Arizona State University, and during the summers or, or breaks, I try to do some type of mission trip or, or serve people. My wife and I, when we went to Poland to do mission work for a couple of years, little did I know that I would start a, a worldwide organization now that works in four continents and eight countries and growing named mm-hmm. Bread of Life. Yeah. But I think it's just how God works, showing us that, yes, his word and God is more important than anything that we might have. And and yes, we do a lot of humanitarian aid, and we do a lot of distribution of food, other life-saving medical treatments. Every time you told me the story about how Bread of Life, the ministry in Poland began, sounded like you didn't build this ministry. The ministry built you from the ground up. And God brought together people who didn't even know they were servant leaders. And they met and touched each other, and they were from different nations around the world. It just happened to be internationals with you in that place. And because of those new relationships, people started dreaming dreams about what was possible in their home countries. They heard stories of what God was doing in other countries. Yes, yes. And I think it was that power of passing out those three cups of tea that night in Poland at the train station by myself, just sitting there, and there was 80 people in front of me. I had three cups. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, God, game plan. <laughs> you multiply yeah. this like fish in the bread. You know, get me out of the situation. I don't know if they'll hurt me, but I want to serve you. So it was a little intimidating, but then really praying for the hearts of the people that they would open up to the gospel. Because I know the tea is is good. The water is good. Food is good, but it's temporary. Yeah, There's something eternal and we're eternal beings. And I really wanted to give them the hope of God. Like you said, you know, Tomek, others that came, that translated or served, and they realized that, hey, God can use me in great and mighty ways. And they have. So let's talk about those great and mighty ways that have happened in 2023. Last time we checked in with you, it was about Ukraine, because so many of the population of Ukraine was pouring, literally pouring into Poland. Huge numbers. If we had the same kind of, of American influx of immigrants that you were facing as a nation in Poland at the time, you're talking about probably, I don't know, one in every 20 persons in the United States would be a refugee. At least that high. And you face that saying, what can we do from where we are? And you were in a village next to another city, and you were having all these different ministries of bread of life around Poland. So the first thing you did was try to provide housing and some food because you knew about three cups of tea. You had some good practice on that. You built some houses. We talked about that with some of the volunteers that came over to help you build tiny homes on behalf of these refugees that were going to be living Mm -hmm. with you for a while. What's happened since? Yeah, so those tiny homes, uh, they're completed. They're they're full of refugees. Our New Life Center is still housing refugees. We just had another family of sick just move in recently. 
In fact, our host of the New Life Center, they're Ukrainians and they've been there for a few years. Um, they came before the war started. They just gave birth at our New Life Center. So just we, oh, so awesome. we just added another member to the family. So that was wonderful. But yes, Ukrainians still come and some are able still to go to go back. But you're right. At the height of the, the war last year, there was over 100,000 Ukrainian refugees crossing the border every day. There were some every six day. million. Yeah. They say six to eight million that came into Poland. Some have gone back. Some have moved on. But it's still an important part of the ministry to help the people that, that are coming and help those that are in need. Because they had to pick up and they they left and they and they lost everything. Some of them, homes, yeah. investments, education, work, whatever it is, they came with the clothes on their back to save their lives. And so I'm glad that we can be there to to help the the best that we can to provide shelter, to provide aid. In fact, our team, our organization, still goes to Ukraine about every four to six weeks, taking in aid right. um, and doing ministry. We just had a team come back that was led by Rainier, who was at your home in California years ago. And we ended up doing also summer camps inside Ukraine this year for kids that are there. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And now, back to the broadcast. And we ended up doing also summer camps inside Ukraine this year for kids that are there. We had a, a clown with us. We had, you know, lots of fun of activities. And we were just really able to minister to the kids and, and to the parents. Because you go through difficult times of life. And I think sometimes it's just nice just to be a kid even though there's war in your country and people are really suffering. Every time I've seen those kind of ministries reaching out to kids, one, you earn your way into the hearts of the parents instantly because when they know their kids are taken care of and they see their own kids laughing, you know, they haven't seen their kids celebrate much of anything for a long time. It moves you. I can think of anywhere from Belize to Ukraine or Rwanda, where both of us have traveled, or Uganda, Suddenly they're laughing and the parents laugh with them for a while because they enjoy the jokes and the silliness. But then they kind of get wistful and they sit back and they just look over the crowd, over the children. And I've seen it happen that the kids continue to laugh and the parents start regressing through all this happened. You can see them feeling it. And then the tears start to flow. Yeah, yeah. It's really powerful. You know, last summer, just a few months after Russia invaded Ukraine, and we had so many refugees in, in Poland, we also held several summer camps with lots of Ukrainian children. And, you know, it's just so on edge because they came without their fathers. Their fathers were, were fighting, texting constantly back and forth. And even during one of the camps, there was a news report about a, a mall that was hit with a rocket. And one of the girls was just silent and, and sad. She's like, my friend's died in that attack. The junior high girl, you say life doesn't seem fair, you know, for children to experience yeah. these things, even for adults. But unfortunately, we have these wars and uh, the people really suffer. But I'm really glad that even in the, in the darkest of times, 
that we can be there to to bring hope, to bring Jesus to people in desperate situations. Yeah, if I know anything about the way you go about your business, you have plenty of other things besides just the entertainment and even more than just the uh, spiritual lessons to say these things are true. You love on them with your people. You teach your people how to actually be compassionate, truly compassionate, and love kids where they are and not judge them or try to fix things all the time, but be with them, that that becomes gospel, that they literally inhabit the place. They are imminent, like Jesus is with us. And the kids discover that it's not just truth they're hearing. They're discovering a faith that's real. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's important, too, to, to be with people, you might say, life on life. Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, God bless you, and here's something for you to take, which I know always has an important part when we feed people, but to really be with people through the the difficult times of life. And I think that's what discipleship yeah. is. I think Billy Graham said it, so maybe I'll give him the credit or quote him, but he says, uh, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. So when you really start to invest into a life of another, even a stranger or somebody that you meet in Ukraine or some other part of the world, I think God gives us what we have that we can give to others and we can give freely, uh, whether it's our time, our resources, the money in our wallet, whatever it is. God continues to take care of you. And I've seen even in your life, the stories about your family and the the challenges medically your kids have faced, that it's not a tit for tat thing. Like if you will give to me, then I will give to you, says the Lord. It's not that at all. You have given freely because you freely have been given to period. So it all starts with Jesus in your heart and mind. So when you were in need and your kids had medical needs, you didn't know what to do next. You had to bring them back out and you had to go back to Arizona for a period of time to focus on the health needs of your kids. And that was a big shift, a big heartbreak, I know, at the time for you, because so many things were ramping up at that time for your ministry. You wanted to be right there and be present with it. And yet God said no. And I get the impression that it kind of led to a time of Sabbath and rest for you that you really, really needed at the same time of being removed from them, as much as it was a heartache, it was God's medicine for you. So tell me more about that kind of chapter in your life. Yeah, so that, that was really tough. You know, I, I'm, I know you've had this and people listening have had these moments in life where life has been a challenge or hard mm-hmm. miscarriage or almost losing your child, seeing them flatline, get bagged, CPR and being told, hey, today you'll say goodbye. And it's like, no, today I will not say goodbye. I will say goodnight. You know, you keep fighting, fighting, fighting. And finally you get to a place where it's like, okay, God, we have arrived. We've made it through this. We finally got a car that works. You know, the house is working and things are coming together. And then COVID hit, you know, and and so many times in our own lives, we think we finally arrived. And then whether it be COVID or something else comes into our life and and it's just very difficult. So coming back to the States was extremely difficult on us. Because we were very well settled in Poland after 20 years. Um, we had everything we yeah. needed. And then coming back to the States, we came with suitcases. And so in a sense, yeah. like with these Ukrainian refugees that are fleeing, we had about three days to pack. And we took the very last flight with the U.S. Embassy out of Poland during COVID. There were no more flights with the embassy. So we took that last flight. We had three days to pack. We weren't leaving and fleeing from war. But we can mm-hmm. sense the need that these refugees are going through. Because we had nothing. We had a family, you know, that was able to help prepare for us, help us, you know, find an Airbnb or stack our refrigerator with food. So it really gave us a sense of what maybe these families needed coming out of Ukraine, you know, not just on a, on a floor, you know, in a school, but really some legs under them, a place to live where they can take a breath, get their life together, this new life together, have the food, have you know, the resources to learn the language, the resources for people to help them with the paperwork, documentation, translation, 
all this coming into, into Poland. So it was yeah. good that we were able to experience that in a sense that we could help them. But it was very difficult, though, coming back. But coming back, I think, has been one of the biggest challenges, but also a huge opportunity for our organization as a whole. Because we've registered Bread of Life officially as a nonprofit status within the country of Poland. We've done so also in the country of Ivory Coast. Some of the other countries we haven't yet. There's not that need just at that moment, but eventually we will. So it's allowed us to grow Broad of Life stateside as well. And during COVID, even though we came back here, we launched uh, two new countries, Zimbabwe and Pakistan, uh, even from being awesome. abroad um, and having this whole international church that I've pastored for 20 years, having people come from these countries, like you mentioned earlier, and then discipling them, encouraging them, giving them opportunities to serve and say, hey, if you can serve here in Poland. You can serve anywhere. Hey, I can yes. do this back in Rwanda, or I can do this on Ivory Coast. And and so that's how we've seen the organization grow as people go back to their home countries doing just that. And then we're, we're able to help lay the framework, the legal status, everything else for them to, to launch a very effective ministry in their own country. So how did that Sabbath work out for you so far? Oh, um, I know you're busy during yeah, it. Yeah. Besides that, how did God bring you rest during that? Time? Yeah. So trying to find rest. I don't know. I think we were to ask my wife too is so challenging because then we tried to find accommodations here and you know, just to start life over again was was very challenging. You know, I think it was really difficult on my kids. People always say kids are, are resilient, they're flexible. Our daughter was a teenager at the time and we had two younger ones in primary school. So it was quite the challenge. But then finding rest, that's a good question. Like this year, I'll be overseas about, it was 120 days. I'll be overseas by the end of this December. My family was able to join me for part of that in Poland. So that was really nice. I do need to find rest though. Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe I'm just challenging you to re-enter into that rest. We do know that Jesus is rest. So it's not like we're having to wait for some time in the future to be restored. As we go along the way, the Emmaus Road kind of thing, wherever we stop for the night, we're going to get fed. God is with us in that. And it reveals himself at a strange time. Suddenly we realize, oh, that was Jesus all along. True. And I'm True. sure that your people feel the same way, but where they go? Yeah. I just had a, a Zoom call with one of our council members and board members in, in Poland. My wife and I, we had this devotion too. It just reminded of Jesus after he fed the 5,000, sent the disciples yeah. on the way, they're rowing across the lake and... Jesus said his goodbyes to the people there. And then instead of continuing the journey, he went up on the mountainside and prayed mm-hmm. and spent time with God. And I was just reflecting on that this week, you know, the importance of just spending time with God. You know, so many times in your position, in I think people around the world that are listening, we get so busy, even as pastors or missionaries, as ministries. And, you know, this is our job, but we still need to cut out that time and spend time with God and say no to the good things in life so we can say yes to the best. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a rules-based kind of thing either. It's not like I'm saying that we have a new covenant that has a whole bunch of demands on us. It's like God's just saying, if you'll spend some time with me, we'll be okay. I'll take care of the stuff that you can't do at that moment, and I'll teach you again how not to fret. And if there's anything that's of value to me, it's about not fretting being away from God's presence while I'm worried about this thing over here. Yeah, yeah. There are plenty of challenges we're both facing coming up in the years to come because everything in so many ways is challenging and changing politically, economically, socially. The world itself seems to be resonating with this. What's going to come next? What's next? What's next? And everyone's fearing the worst. Yeah. So how do you help your people recalibrate? You know, that question you just asked, and I think helping to recalibrate, the the word that came to mind, and I remember we spoke on this before, was, was trust. 
trusting mm-hmm. God, yeah. governments, people, our own lives, our own families, our own children. You know, we make our own decisions. God gives us the freedom to do that. And in, in those moments, too, we also make mistakes or we sin, we stumble, we fall. Yeah. But really trusting God that he's in control and that he will restore us. He's in the business of reconciliation. Yeah. There's nothing that we've done that's gone too far or, or what's been done to us that God can't restore and make beautiful in our life. And we can use our life and testimony to help other people in those same situations. We've barely scratched the surface in our discussion with Richard Ungesser of Bread of Life Ministries. We're getting caught up in hearing about the new things that God has for that ministry in Ukraine, Poland, and many other parts of the world. We'll be covering all of that in the days to come, so I hope you'll tune in then. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are Compassion Radio is still the radio voice of the global church, and that's completely due to the Lord's provision through you. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at 1-800-868-2478 or write us P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.